Hello everyone and happy 2022. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for both Instagram and Facebook, Gratitude underscore Chick on Twitter, and on TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to your weekly devotional with the Gratitude Chick. We are continuing on in our learning of how David became king. And we are starting with his backstory, and that starts with um, us learning about Samuel and how he became the prophet. So we are start we started last week with 1 Samuel and we read the first two chapters. We're going to start today with 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Um we may read two or three chapters this week. Um so just as a reminder, I do read as with my books with my own commentary. This is my opinion of what I've read. I've also already prayed. So um don't worry about that. Let's get started and Yeah, let's get started. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So I want you guys to to get that part. And as you know, back then, the Lord spoke to people, to his people through prophets, right? So it's not like today where we can pick up the Bible and read the word of the Lord. Back then, he spoke through the prophets. And the prophet of Israel back then um, was, or maybe it was the primary prophet. I'm not sure if it was more than one. I can't remember. I've read this before, but I really can't remember. Um, But I know like the top prophet or priest was Eli. So back then... Um, as you re- remember, if you remember in chapters one and two, you know that Eli was re- literally on the fence with the Lord because of all the sins of his his sons and what his sons was doing were doing to the people of Israel. So that's why it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It was, um, it really wasn't too much communication at this point between God and Eli. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. 
Now, I will say that last year, and it might may have happened before last year, but the last time I remember was last year. And, um, I, you know, I remember laying down and kind of being in that space between deep, like, well, sleep and not really awake, but kind of awake. And I remember hearing my voice being called, but it wasn't like, um, a masculine voice. It was more of a feminine voice. And, um, I remember my, my, um, name being called and I remember looking around like, hold on. Because I am in my room by myself. And, you know, I'm no Samuel or <laughs> no kind of prophet. So I'm not going to say, here I am, Lord. And besides, that voice was was uh, kind of feminine. So I wasn't going to say that. I, was, I just looked around and went back to sleep. Because um, maybe another time, maybe I'll do a story time. But I have had a lot of, and I'm doing quotations with my fingers, a lot of paranormal um, things happened to me, you know, over the years. So that is not something that I would have said, but he was, of course, instructed to say. Um, but I just wanted to say I have heard someone call my name before. Um, I don't know if it was God. He didn't have a male voice, though. So, eesh. Um, let's see. Where are we? I'm going to call you. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house. From beginning to end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And if you guys remember in the first two chapters, um, it talks about how disgusting of uh, people that his sons were, that they were, you know, stealing from the church and they were um, basically forcing the women to have sex with them, you know, on the um, guise of, you know, we work in the church, so you got to do it. So they were basically stealing, you know, pillaging the church and raping the women. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So he's basically saying, I'm cutting you off, you're done I am turning my back on you. You shall not be able to atone. You cannot say you're sorry for what you've done. Your house will be cut off forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems, what seems good to him. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. That's, that's deep. What do you guys think of that scripture? 
Um, so Samuel, not this part, but this part, and let none of his words fall to the ground. What What do you guys think that means? I'm going to have to put a pin in that because there's so many ways I could take that. And I would like to know what what that means. I need some context surrounding that. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Okay, that was chapter 1. I mean, chapter 3. So now we go to chapter number 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. That's a lot of men. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that it, when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies." And if you guys remember, the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God is um, where the Ten Commandments is housed and it is kind of guarded by angels. So um, in their mind, this is the presence of the Lord. So let, let us go physically bring in to the camp the, the presence of the Lord um, to help us. That's kind of what they were thinking. So the people went to Shiloh that they might bring the bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the the cherubim. Cherubim are, are angels. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. At this point, they're like, yes, you, we are not defeated. We have the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Na, 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 na. That's how they were. Now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great, sh- what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before woe to us so i'm just gonna stop right here if you guys remember back in a couple episodes i have told you guys that in my 20s one of the affirmations or affirming statements i said over and over and over and over again to myself is woe is me and anything bad that could happen to me in my 20s did happen because i affirmed it by saying, woe is me, I, it became my assumption, it became my belief, it impressed on my conscious mind, which sent messages to my subconscious mind that we need to give her everything possible for her to experience this woe is me that she keeps talking about. Let's, let's give it to her. And it happened. So when they say woe to us, they are saying that, oh my gosh, this God, we have heard of this God, and he is about to demolish us. That is how they're feeling right now. 
And it says, Woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. See, God God has a reputation that he does not play when it comes to his people. So the fact that they brought in the Ark of the Covenant that the people in the land knew about, they were scared because they know that God does not play about his people. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter and there there fell over 30,000 foot soldiers. 30,000. So right now you're at 34,000 lost at the hand of the Philistines. 30,000 guys. That That is incredible to me. Can you imagine if we are sitting here and watching the news, whatever country you're in, and the news, you know, breaking news comes on us, 30,000 members of the armed, the, the U.S. Army failed today, today by the hands of North Korea. What, what, what would you do? Like that, that is shocking. When we hear that like 10, 10, you know, Marines are captured or dead or something like that. We're just like, what, what? But 30,000, that's, 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 that's insane. Also, the Ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Eli, Hophni and Phinehas died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle lines the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli, Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died. For the man was old and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child due to be delivered and when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. So let's see where we are in time. Oh, okay. I still have some time, so I'll go to chapter number five.
Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought from brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now, the house of Dagon is Dagon is their god, right? Um so they took the ark of the covenant of God where the 10 commandments are and where he dwelled and put him next to a false god to chill I mean what what that's what they did and when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning there was Dagon fallen on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord so they took Dagon and set it in its place again and when they arose early the next morning there was Dagon falling on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord so why couldn't Dagon get itself up Listen, I'm just tripping with y'all, but the the premise of this part is to to show you guys that God is God by all by Himself, and the fact that these people believed in a lesser, not even a lesser God, in a in a golden calf that had no presence, and whenever they woke in the morning, the the calf was prostrate before God. It should have resonated with them. Some people just not that bright. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor anyone who come into the house of Dagon tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod. And he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon our God. So let me get this straight. Your lesser God, and I'm using quotations, is being handled by the real God who was also, you know, literally just wiping your people out. (laughs) And instead of your God handling it, you have to handle it for your God. Why would you believe in somebody who don't handle stuff for themselves? Right? And then why would you believe in something lesser when you have something greater that is showing you its power? That didn't make sense. Therefore, they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of the God of Israel away. So it was after they had carried it away that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore, they sent the Ark of God to Ekron. So basically, they're sending it to all of their cities, and God is moving against every city that they sent the Ark to instead of them just sending it back to Israel. Take your God back. We, you know, we're too dumb to, you know, say, hey, let me worship you. Just take your God. Therefore, they sent the Ark of God to Ekron. So it was as the Ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out and said, 
They have brought the ark of the God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. That's deep. We still have a little time, so I'm going to go ahead and start chapter 6 as well. This will be the last one. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. Wow. And the Philistines called for the priest and the diviner saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. So they said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. (coughs) Excuse me. Then they said, What is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden rats according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore, you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. I don't know. I don't know about that. Boy, I don't want a golden rat. <laughs> I don't want a golden tumor. Um. Well, I'm not God, but you know what I'm saying. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. So they're trying to figure out how to appease God by number one, sending it back. And number two, giving it, giving God an offering, but they don't know um, what they're doing because they don't know how to serve God. So um, obviously that's why they're trying to send golden rats and tumors. Um, that's That's pretty funny if you think about it. Uh, let's see, where am I? And then, but, but what's really funny is perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods. Why, why do you have to do the work if your God is real? If your God was real, why wouldn't your God go to his God and say, Hey, you know, my people are stupid. Can you lose your hand? But instead... You're fighting for a God, for a God you believe in that doesn't even exist. <sighs> Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he did mighty things among them? Did they not let the people go that they might depart? Now, therefore, make a new cart, take two cow, two milk cows, which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart and take their calves home away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold, which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. And watch if it goes up the road to its own territory to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart 
and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tomb. <laughs> this is just why are you what? Why would I want images of your tumors? It just <clears throat> then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Then the ark came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there, so they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. There you go. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. Then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron. And the golden rats, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel, on which they sat the ark of the Lord, which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Ooh. He struck 50,070 men of the people, and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. So you, you're not supposed to look into the ark unless you are the high priest, I want to say. So because they opened the ark and looked in it, the Lord struck them. And this time he struck 50, 57,000 men, or was it 50,070 men? That's deep. And the men of Bathsheba said, Who is able to stand before the Holy Lord of God, Lord God? And and, and this, this is my this is my thing. And why to in today's society, people really try to play God. Have y'all not read the Old Testament? God is not mocked. The Bible says, even in the New Testament, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Have you not read the God of the Old Testament? And do you not think he is the same God in the New Testament? The Bible says he is the same now and forever. The only difference the only difference is Jesus. He is the difference. The same God is the same God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. What is new in the New Testament is Jesus. So I need y'all to get this word. Because the when David says he is, he is mighty, he is terrible, he means that. Because the, the Bible tells us that God's hand is swift. And what he says, he means. He said, do not look in this ark. They did. 50,000 dead. Just like that. Don't look in the ark. I would not have survived in the Old Testament days, y'all. I would have been dead. 
Number one, I'm too nosy. So the first chance I got to look in that ark, I would have looked. And this is why people have such a hard time believing in God. Because how mighty his hand is in the Old Testament. And for some reason, people only read the New Testament and just say, no, we ain't going to read the Old Testament. Sorry to tell y'all, the God in the New Testament and the God in the Old Testament is the same. Jesus is just here to stand in the gap for you. That is the difference, brother. They are the same God. And thank you for the reminder, Lord, because sometimes I go too far. Mm. And the men of Bathsheba said, Who is able to stand before the holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Um, Come down and take it up with you. Basically, listen, we can't. We lost 50,000 men because they were stupid enough to open the ark. Take, come get this ark away from us, please. <laughs> That's basically what they were saying. So, I don't know about you, but I am, I am very interested in 1 Samuel. Like, I think the first time I read it, you know, sometimes you read the Bible and it's just like, uh, but this is a great story. If you can get past the thuses and the thous and the the hand in which it was written in to listen to the actual story, uh, to, to understand what's actually going on, it is a great story. And it is, it is a story about disobedience and obedience. That is what this story is about. How when you obey God, how much he does for you. But this right here, what we're lo- learning is what happens when you disobey God. The and, and 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 the biggest part of what I learned in these last four chapters is this. The children of Israel, their enemies knew who their God was. They knew who what their God did. They had memories to say, "Uh-oh, wait a minute cuz they done brought this ark here." Do you not remember what they what their God did to Egypt? Do y'all not remember this? So the fact that God has such a name throughout the earth for these people to say, hold on, we remember what he did. How dare you as the child of God not remember back on all the good things that God has done for you and say, I remember when. Dude, that is what I saw in these four these four chapters. And it is a reminder to me at the mighty power of God. And how dare I sit and ever say anything untoward about him. This is a reminder. The Bible says he remembers our frame. He knows that we are dust. That is what the Bible says. Listen, I don't want to keep going because it's 31 minutes. And if you know me, you know I can keep going. 
So we're going to say our closing. Um, what is it? I haven't been to a church in a long time. So what is it called? The benediction. Yes, we're going to say our benediction. And it is that scripture in Psalms that I told you. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Thank you, Lord, so much for the reading of your word. I pray that it goes out and, and does what you want it to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's devotional. I had a, an, an, a, an amazing time reading it to you. I hope you had a great time listening. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. Next week, we are going to start with 1 Samuel chapter 7. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube at The Gratitude Chick. Make sure to click in my description box for the link to paid surveys, manifesting merchandise, and much more.